Well, hello, welcome to Passive Wealth for High Tech Minds podcast. There are lots and lots of IT professionals who work in the industry. These IT jobs are so exhausting mentally, there isn't much time left for such folks to make clever decisions about their investments. Most are unable to put their money in the right asset classes. This is Prashant Kumar from IDLT Gains. I have worked in corporate America in IT and in business organizations for 25 years. My goal is to educate IT professionals like you about the benefits of passive investing. I will be passing my knowledge and will bring guests who have done very well in their careers and can explain the process and advantages of passive investing. So, let's begin. Well, hello, hello. This is Prashant Kumar from Passive Wealth for High Tech Minds podcast. Today, I have a good friend of mine, Jay Balekar with me. And Jay comes from business and technology uh, consulting leadership organization. And he has been a you know cyber risk security consultant with Big Four Consulting Firm. He founded Compounded Capital Group. And he has been doing apartments, uh, building stabilization in Cincinnati, MSA. Jay, welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much, Prashant. Thank you for having me. Sure, sure. Jay, I know you have a strong technology background and I know you wanted to get out of your job. Uh, and, and, and that's not the purpose. I mean, the purpose here, I mean, right. I'm trying to, my audience here are the technology people like you and I, we work very, very hard in our day jobs, right? Right. We work, we work 10 to 12 hours on an average, you know, yeah. I mean, average 60 to 80 hours a week. There's no 40 hours for us, right? I mean, you know that very well. We get paid for 40 hours. We work 60 to 80 hours. And after working that much, we really do not have insight into investing world. For us, investing has been only stocks and bonds, right? And and our 401k, let the money go in the 401k without knowing where it is going Mm -hmm. or, you know, meet up with, friends in the evening on a beer and somebody's saying, let's buy Tesla. We go buy Tesla or buy something else. We go buy the next day, you know, we, we go buy that. So that's our investing world, right? I know you have, you have taken a leap into real estate and you have been doing a lot of work in real estate. I want to educate our listeners, you know, friends, family members, a lot of techies from all over the world who come here in America to chase American dream. I want to educate them uh, with your help. I want to take your input. How these tech people, I mean, these people are making a lot of money, you know, $300,000, $400,000, you know, between husband and wife. Uh, how, can they, how can they invest in real estate um, or in, in asset classes passively and build a wealth and fortune for themselves? Please share your thoughts. Absolutely, Prashant. And and that's a great question. And I've found myself being stuck in the same situation as well. And, uh, you know, what happens is uh, when you have a good job in tech, it it pays you enough to have a comfortable life, but it doesn't pay you enough to build wealth. And there's a difference between running on the treadmill and making enough to have a comfortable life versus uh, building legacy and building wealth. So that's one thing that I realized in my tech job. Me and my wife, we're both in tech. We're making good money, but not enough to build true wealth. 
And then we realized that, oh, one of us is actually working only to pay Uncle Sam. Half of our household income was going towards taxes. I'm like, man, you know, I got to do something to reduce my tax liability because uh, we hear, listen on the news and uh, hear on all of these uh, uh, online media that, oh, Donald Trump is paying $0 in taxes. Elon Musk is paying $0 in taxes. How can they do it? And we can't. And we are, you know, we are employees making a lot less than them. So when all of that happened, I was like, okay, I've got to educate myself first. And I think that's what I encourage all of your listeners to do as well, is it, it all starts with education. So I started with uh, one of the books that I had read a long time ago, actually in, in, in school. When I was in third grade or fourth grade, I had read a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I revisited after I started working. And I had loved that book back then, and I loved it even more now when I was able to apply some of those concepts of assets versus liabilities. Because one of the biggest mistakes we do is, oh, we get done with college. And during college, you know, we don't have money. So we are scrambling and stuffed in one apartment with four other roommates, you know, eating the same old food every day. And once we start earning, we start splurging that on liabilities. We, you know, we buy Tesla, we buy fancy cars but we are not truly building uh, assets that pay you passive income. Uh, so that understanding the difference between assets and liabilities was the first step for me. So that, that was credit goes to rich dad, poor dad and Kiyosaki for that. Then, you know, cash flow quadrant was the other book that had a huge impact on my mindset that, you know, the employee quadrant pays the most amount of taxes while the investor and entrepreneur quadrant they pay almost next to nothing in, in taxes. And it's not a loophole in the tax system, but you're being rewarded by the tax law to create jobs and housing and provide opportunities for others and for taking the risk. And that was the other aha moment for me that, oh, you know, if I invest in businesses and real estate to provide housing, my tax liability is going to go down. And for a good reason, it made complete sense to me. So I think those two were the biggest aha moments for me. And then I started uh, investing my time into learning about more about real estate. So I read a few books about real estate in general, then read some more books about multifamily. It was clear to me that multifamily made more sense than single family home investing. So my real estate journey started directly with multifamily. I never invested in single family homes outside of my personal residence that I live in. And the way it started was when COVID happened, uh, my, my job before COVID was a travel job, consulting, typical. I was always on the client site, Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday, I was traveling nonstop. So I really didn't have the time. And to your point earlier, we in tech, we work, we get paid for 40 hours, but we work 60 to 80 hours minimum. So you don't really have time left for any of the side hustles. And you don't really even have time left to explore these opportunities. You know, the, whatever time you do have, you're just enjoying with family, you know, having good meals and then going back to work. So that was me. And then during my time when I was flying to and back from the client sites on these flights, I was reading all of these real estate books. And then when COVID happened, I know that COVID was a you know disaster for a lot of people. But for me, fortunately, um, I was not very impacted by COVID and it was actually a blessing in disguise because now I was not traveling and I got some time evenings and weekends to start investing in real estate. So that's how I started investing in real estate in early 2020. 
We bought eight units of multifamily property in Cincinnati. That was our first investment, not with other investors, with our personal capital. It was a severely distressed property, partial reconstruction of the entire property. The balconies fell off after we bought it. The roof caved in. So we had to do roofing, gutters, new construction of balconies, all the exterior work, paving. Uh, so it was on just those eight units, we spent almost 25 to 30,000 per door in renovations. Wow. Um, but after it was all set and done, the property appraised very well. We were able to pull out all of our initial capital. So it was a essentially a burr or infinite return deal. It still cash flows very well. Uh, and I think one thing that paid off was the location. If I would have done that deal in a poor location, I would have lost money. But it was in a fantastic location. And that's why we were able to double the rents after renovation. And again, we I avoided some of those mistakes. Credit goes to the education and reading that I put in up front. A lot of people, they realize, oh, you know, Prashant's doing real estate. He's having great success. Let me also buy some assets. And they don't put in the education first. And then they get burned. And then they're like, oh, real estate is a bad investment. I'm never doing real estate again. So I think if you start with education and start by investing with someone like yourself who's experienced, that's a good way to start. And once you have learned it, you have plentiful options. So So basically what you are saying is you start with education, right? I mean, that's the fundamental key. Uh, And and how much education is needed for uh, a tech people to invest passively? That's my real uh, uh, question. Yes, actively, we definitely need education, right? I want to know, I want to know before going into that eight unit, how much is going to be my budget? Fortunately, you have happened to have capital to invest another $200,000 to to redo the whole thing, right? I mean, if if I did not have, if I had only $100,000, I would have to go out and ask for money from somewhere else, right? I mean, how it works. Um, So that is a little bit more active role that you took. Definitely. I'm I'm trying to find out how much education is needed for a tech person to invest passively in it. So, I mean, you understand what I'm asking. Absolutely. Absolutely, Prashant. And yes, active investment definitely comes with its own set of risks. It is extremely overwhelming. The time commitment needed is insane. Uh, I was able to do it because I don't have kids and, uh, you know, uh, my travel stopped and all of that. And and kids family does take up a lot of time. And I had to make compromises on that front to make this happen. So I think in terms of passive investing, which also I think is the best way to start and get your feet wet in real estate. I think how much education, I would say maybe like about three months of education, but really getting the basics, Mm -hmm. understanding why, you are investing in real estate. You know, what, what's the outcome that you're looking for? What are the tax incentives that you get by investing in real estate? Mm-hmm. What are the different vehicles that you can use? Like your uh, self-directed IRA, you know, you may have 401k from your old employer that you convert, you can convert to an SDIRA and use that. So understanding what are the pools of funds that you can tap into to invest passively in real estate. I think some of those basics uh, and then also the basic financial terms like, when um, an active investor or a syndicator is telling you that this is going to be your cash on cash return, or this is going to be your, uh, you know, your IRR or equity multiple, what really that means? 
I think understanding that is important as a passive investor. And then finally, it is, I think, important to vet out a good syndicator or a sponsor versus someone who's not as sophisticated, uh, experienced, someone who does not have credibility, like really understanding whose projections are not very conservative and very ambitious versus uh, a syndicator who's experienced and whose projections are very conservative, right? Who's actually taking your money more seriously than their own money. You know, those things are, I think, more important if you want to invest passively. Very good. I mean, that, that's a very good answer. And that's what I'm trying, we are trying to communicate uh, to our listeners. Guys, I mean, yes, I would like to do what Jay did. But if I did not have time, I would not go and do it. You know, I, I'm not trying to discourage anybody. I mean, he, obviously, Jay took a bold step and he learned a lot from, from that. Uh, but if he did not have time, I mean, you know, if he was still traveling, he probably wouldn't be able to pull it, pull it yeah. in the first attempt. You know, right. if you were an experienced guy, maybe you would have done it easily. Uh, but hats off to you that in the first time you were able to do it. You were able to pull you, all your equity out of the deal. Deal is still cash flowing, which is right. uh, an incredible thing. But everything needs time and, and education. Obviously, you took your time to educate yourself and you took your time to do things yourself. I imagine you have uh, done a lot of active role, finding the GC, trying to take all the code, getting it done. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 it's definitely not easy, Prashant. I mean, I was literally when I was working, I mean, at the time I was working remotely, so I was still on Zoom calls all day long. I was literally working out of my car from the parking lot of this property every single day. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely don't want to make it sound like, oh, it's so easy. Anybody can do it. No, it's huge commitment and a lot of risk. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. So, I mean, passive guys can do it. I mean, the folks who start passively in investing with operators, as you said, you know, in three to six months, you know, they, they get more educated. They find out whom they want to invest with. So, one important point I want to communicate here is unless you have a good relationship with an operator, if you have an existing relationship with an operator, we cannot go and invest with them Absolutely. unless unless it is a 506C kind of deal. And we don't want to discuss what is 506C versus 506B, but 90% of the deal out there are 506B where you need an existing relationship with an operator. So it is important that we educate ourselves and we connect ourselves with these operators so that operators can offer that deal to you. Otherwise, by law, they cannot even offer that deal to you. Correct. Right? I mean, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Um, so uh, my, my next question to you, Jay, is um, uh, w- tell me a little bit more what happened after that eight unit. I mean, yeah, sure. Um, so, of course, I mean, um, I think one of the things you ha- also have to think about is what are your goals with real estate investing? I, I always knew I wanted to go all in uh, in an active role and eventually even transition to real estate investing full time. But I understand there's a lot of people who are high net worth individual, high income earners. They cannot just suddenly leave their job that pays them half a million dollars and start investing in real estate. It's, it's just not. Uh, you know, financially logical or logical in any sense. In, uh, but for me, 
uh, what happened is after the eight unit was a success, I mean, I still have my full-time job, but after we were able to pull out most of the capital, we invested that in a 10 unit deal, very similar, needed a lot of work, a classy property, distressed property, but in a gentrifying area, uh, did the same thing, renovated every single unit, vacated everybody um, and turned the place around. And the rents went from like $550 to $1,400. Wow. Uh, same thing happened again. We bought the property for about 500K, 50 a door, uh, put in 20 a door, and the property appraised at 140 a door after everything was done. So it was, again, a complete, uh, you know, ref- after refinance, we actually pulled out more than what we had initially invested. And to some extent, Yes, it's about the location. Yes, it's about the asset and uh, how you are adding value to the asset. But it's also about the market and the economy. You know, things are slowly changing. Uh, And, uh, you know, the market's not going to help you as much as it used to because the interest rates are going up. Cap rates, we are going to start, you know, are going to expand very soon. Uh, So those things are changing. So the market's got to help you as well. But that's where my second project was. And that gave me enough confidence to keep going. So the 10 unit was success. Then I did uh, another eight units by myself, another four units as a FHA house hack, where we actually sold the house we were living in and moved into this four family, me and my wife, because to take advantage of the FHA. And then we found ourselves basically out of capital because there's only so much you can buy with your own capital. And that's when we started buying things as a part of JVs. So we did a, 32-unit JV with a couple partners, a 63-unit JV with a few partners, all the partners that I met through networking like we we met, right? Mm-hmm. Um, phenomenal people, um, mostly all other tech professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we are syndicating our first deal also here in this local market. So that's kind of been my journey, but I, I truly believe in organic, sustainable growth than chasing the door count, you know, oh, we did 10 unit. Now let's go after a 500 unit uh, that that can burn you really fast because you don't have the experience needed to actually handle something that big because yeah, if everything goes right, your profits could be exponentially larger, but when things go wrong and they always do, your mistakes also will be exponentially larger. So, um, so that's, that's kind of been my journey so far and been loving every single bit of it. So what you are really saying is uh, learn to walk first before you start running Absolutely. has been what you have done. And it is incredible what you have done in last couple of years, um, you know, eight unit, 10 units, eight units, 32 units, 63 units, four units. And then even taking the step to, so to say, I mean, not, I'm not saying downgrading yourself, but moving from a single family home into an FHA, you know, four Complex, yeah. living in one part of the building yeah. because you want to create wealth for yourself, you know. So it's a compromise. It's a, it's definitely a compromise. You know, on one hand, you have an option to buy a million dollar villa and some fancy car, right? Now, but then work until you're eighty years old, right? Or you t- make a bit of a compromise for a few years while you're young and uh, pinch yourself a little bit, but then you're building wealth that'll let you maybe retire at 50 or sooner, you know? Awesome. Awesome. That, that That's a great, a great example, you know, uh, for our, our tech minds, obviously um, those who want to come into active role, 
um, that there's nothing better. I mean, there, there cannot be a better role model than, than you, Jay. Uh, I mean, it is, it is not just to impress you, but it is to impress upon that you have done something which is incredible. And, and I definitely wish you luck. Of course, our support is always there with you. Thank you, Prashant. And, um, and, and you are getting into syndication now. I mean, you have realized that, uh, you know, basically our powder will dry up sometime. Um, right. Nobody has infinite capital. So you have to start tapping into other others' capital. And right. what I heard from you earlier, you have taken a bold step to take, uh, you know, some sabbatical leave also from your work because right. you want to expand your business. Right. right. Uh, and, uh, and and I'm sure you're going to do well, but what are your plans for future? Uh, yes, I think plans for future, I definitely want to double down on real estate and maybe even explore a few other asset classes within real estate. Mm-hmm. Although I'm definitely very, very bullish on multifamily because, uh, you know, even during 2008 recession, multifamily still did pretty well yeah. um, because everybody needs a roof over their head. Um, uh, I think uh, the, the reason I started looking into syndications is, I would say, twofold. Yes, uh, at some point, your own capital starts drying up. But also what I was doing, I wanted to pass on the same benefits to others, my friends and family, particularly. Um, and I was not comfortable doing that initially because I didn't have the experience. But then after I had about four or five deals that were successful with my own capital, uh, I had the confidence that, okay, if I get some money from my friends and family and we syndicate these deals, everybody wins. I'm able to take down deals without having to put all the money myself. And my friends and family and other investors uh, are able to get pretty good returns, better returns than they would get uh, almost anywhere else and, and the tax benefits uh, and get the benefits using my knowledge and expertise. I think that was kind of the goal there. Uh, the goal moving forward, Prashant, is uh, to continue to syndicate deals. Um, again, like I said, initially, we don't have, we never have a door count goal. Uh, our goal is um, purely focused on the deal quality. If the deal makes sense, we'll do it. If the deal doesn't make sense for the whole, full whole year, we will not do any deals uh, until we find a deal that makes sense. Uh, and then besides real estate, I've also been exploring a few other business opportunities, franchise opportunities to create other sources of passive income, for example. So that's that's kind of where things are at. But long-term goal is to create wealth, not just for ourselves, but also for our friends and family and for our investors, and really be able to give back a portion of that wealth to the society. Because we, we talk about philanthropy and giving back, but to be very honest, when you're not making enough, you can't give back. You can only give back when you have enough. So I think the goal is to build that wealth and then give a portion of it back to the society. Oh, very, it's a noble thought. I mean, really, it's a, it's a noble thought in the sense that, yes, we all talk about philanthropy and, and some of us do do philanthropy even while we are working full time. Right. But when you start working, your working model itself is creating wealth for others that, I think that's the true unintentional philanthropy. True. <laughs> right? I mean, true. Yeah. I mean, what I think, and maybe you can share your thoughts, when people take take advantage of your expertise, you know, you took pain to, you know, do what you did in the last couple of years, 
you took pains to even downgrade you know you took yep you compromise yourself to downgrade yourself you have so much knowledge now you are your business model your purpose of life is is whatever you are doing you are creating wealth for others so it is unintentional philanthropy can others do that i mean while doing their jobs 90% of people cannot do that but can they take advantage if they if they are taking advantage from you can they get similar returns by doing all the hard work in in single family homes i mean my question is um, hmm. i mean when they can get the return passively why should they spend too much of their energy to get into real estate um, uh, in an active mode and still taking the risk to burn themselves yeah i mean that's that's a good question prashant and i i see a lot of people actually doing that you know when people say oh we're going to start investing in real estate the first thing they do is buy a town home or a single family home yeah. in the neighborhood that they live right yeah. um and the reason why that's not a very good strategy is uh, i wouldn't even say reason there are multiple reasons for that uh, one is single family homes town homes just the way they are valued and appraised is different from commercial uh, real estate right commercial real estate is looked as a, as a business so they will look at the net operating income of the asset and value that asset based on that while single family home you are at the mercy of the market if we buy in let's say 2022 and the market tanks there goes your investment you will have to wait it out until the value goes back again Uh, now not saying that commercial real estate is not impacted by market cycles but you can do things you know force appreciation through value add you can increase the noi of the business or the property by improving it by reducing expenses increasing income and now it's valued more so you can actually do something yourself it's in your control to improve the value of the property nothing's in your control with a single family home or town home so that's that's one reason two now you're buying the headache that comes with property ownership you know you're going to get the calls at the middle of the night when toilets are broken and some tenants are even going to call you even to replace their light bulbs you know because they can't do anything themselves yeah so that's that's another hassle so that prohibits you from scaling you can buy one home two homes but once you have 20 you're going to get a lot of calls and sure you can use a property manager but in that case again the third disadvantage with single family home investing is just the economies of scale now you have 20 homes sure they're making you good rental income but now suddenly you have 20 roofs to replace one year and there goes your cash flow if any maintenance item comes it's times 20 as opposed to that when you're investing in multi family with an experienced operator you are taking advantage of that economies of scale as well so i think those were some of the reasons commercial real estate also has better uh, tax incentives because you can do you know it makes a lot more sense to do something like a cost segregation and of course the listeners can look up what that is or ask their cpa but you can do that on a multifamily uh, property and it makes way more sense on a commercial asset than to do a cost seg on a single family home you know it's just not worth it so all of those incentives that you get by investing in a commercial multifamily asset with an experienced operator like yourself you know with a syndicator you know you don't have the hassles your returns are better you get better night sleep you get tax incentives so i just don't see a reason why 
you would buy a single family home, especially in today's crazy market where you are buying it for 40, 50, 100,000 over appraised value. So, wow, wow. Jay, um, you, you have a role model for a lot of people, right? I mean, you have shown by your action uh, what anybody can do, right? I mean, I'm not saying everybody will do it, but you have taken plunge. You have, you know, you have, you know, you, you took all the risk, you know, as I said, you know, so, so you have done so many deals. Uh, I'm extremely impressed. I'm sure our listeners are impressed also. How can my, our listeners reach out to you if they want to share their thoughts, they want to invest with you? How can they connect with you? Absolutely. Um, our website is called Compounding Capital Group. So that's compounding with an ING in the end. Uh, compoundingcapitalgroup.com. Uh, we are very active on Facebook, LinkedIn. My full name is Jaydeep. That's J-A-I-D-E-E-P. And last name is Balekar, B-A-L-E-K-A-R. And uh, they can look me up on Facebook, LinkedIn, very active on both of those platforms. Awesome. Awesome. Jay, thank you so much again. And, and you have a great weekend. Thank you so much, Prashant. Thanks again for having me. You too. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. As usual, you can reach me via my website, www.myrealtygains.com and via email, prashant at myrealtygains.com. I would love to hear from you and talk to you about specific needs you may have. Please schedule an appointment with me via my website, again, www.myrealtygains.com. Stay tuned for next podcast. This is Prashant Kumar signing off for today.